Hello again. This is Joel from Restoration Church coming back with my most recent teaching I get to share with you guys. So over the past month or so, we've been going through this Easter series in real time. So kind of week by week, we try to focus on what was happening week by week back during the time of Jesus's death and resurrection. So um, this is the first teaching I get to do in this series. So it's been interesting. Um, I was asked, hey, Joel, would you like to take a week on this? And I said, sure, not really thinking about it. And I didn't quite know what I would end up teaching on, but um, I was assigned John chapter 21. I've never really been assigned a chapter like this before. Usually I have an idea of what I want to preach on or what I want to focus on going in, whereas this time I just I was just given a chapter in the Bible. No real other things I needed to focus on, no other suggestions necessarily, but, and I didn't, I guess I didn't realize at the time the challenge that that would be. I just, you know, I kind of said, yeah, this is what I typically do. So I teach. So yeah, I'll teach. Well, the time was running out, you know, the time came closer and closer for me to preach this sermon. And I really didn't not know what to focus on. I preached this sermon just this past Sunday and it was Less than 24 hours prior, I honestly didn't quite know what I was going to preach. You know, I I asked the crowd that night, I said, um, who here procrastinates? And several people raised their hand, and I I just needed to know who else was in the room that procrastinated as much as I often do. And, you know, I asked them, I said, do you guys think you're good procrastinators? Because maybe every procrastinator thinks they're pretty good at it, but turns out it's a mix. Some of them are like, oh, yeah, I'm good at it. And some of them are like, no. It doesn't always work out on me, and, you know, I'm one of those ones that, so far, it's gone quite well, but I do know at some point it's going to come back on me. However, it wasn't, this wasn't one of those times. As I, you know, sat and read through this scripture multiple times, I even, you know, I sat down with my fiance and I asked her, I was like, you told me how much you love the book of John. Like, what can you help me out with this book? And we looked through it together, and she was like, honestly, Joel, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you to focus on. It's kind of a short chapter. It's kind of segmented into these these um, different parts of the story, and there's not necessarily a theme that runs throughout. So I was like, okay, well, thanks for trying to help, but I guess I'll just keep praying and ask God to show me something, and sure enough, he provided. And as I was reading through it, the thing I kept thinking about is how often in this, even just this one story, um, God was underestimated. God was... Um, did beyond what was expected of him. And so in each, there's three parts to the story that I'm going to break it down into. And I just noticed in each part of the story that there was a part where Jesus was underestimated. So that's what I ended up kind of titling my teaching was this idea that I am overestimated and he is underestimated. I think that's probably a constant truth in at least my life, maybe everybody's life. But when I say I'm overestimated. Again, I'm talking about myself. I overestimate me and he is underestimated by me. Um, you know, I teach, um, the youth on a weekly basis where I try and talk about something from the Bible, of course. And I always say, you know, like, even though this story isn't an exact copy of what's going on in your life, it, it still transfers. It still translates to your own life. We've been reading through the old Testament and in the early books, the idea of the Israelites wandering through the desert and 
falling into sin and struggling over and over and then God redeems them and then they do good for a little bit and then they struggle over and over. It's just this idea that I want the kids to understand that like we look at them and we maybe think that's silly or stupid of them, but we do those exact same things. I just want them to be able to see this idea that, okay, these are the sins they're guilty of, but how can I recognize those sins in my own life? So as I was reading through this story in John, there were certain moments that I felt like maybe either somebody overestimated themselves or they just did something that reminded me of how I overestimate myself. So that's going to kind of be my focus today. Again, I am underest- I am overestimated and he is underestimated. So John 21, like I said, it's broken into three parts. And um, the first part in my Bible, it was labeled as Jesus appears to seven disciples. This is verses 1 through 14. And as I focus on this part, um, I, I named this um, part one the professional life because it kind of speaks to what was going on in the disciples' semi-professional life at that time. And I'll explain that a little more as I get into it. Part two is labeled um, Jesus and Peter, verses 15 through 19. So in this part, I named it um, the spiritual, part two, the spiritual life. So as I go through that, I just really made me reflect on my own spiritual life and different aspects of that. And then part three was labeled um, Jesus and the beloved apostle. This is verses 20 through 25. And this one I called part three, the personal slash social life. So how that relates to those parts of our life, but um, I'll take some time to kind of read through each of these sections, and then afterwards I'll probably just spend a little time talking about this idea of overestimation, underestimation, how how I see those from myself reflected in these parts of the Bible. So starting with John 21 verses 1 through 14, here we go. Jesus appears to seven disciples. Chapter 21. After Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon, Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathan of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was him. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciples, whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, 
This was the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So that's part one. So again, I said this part I called part one, the professional, as in the professional life. And the reason I did this is because in this moment, the disciples, this is, you know, after the resurrection of Jesus, but before he has left them yet again, um, they have reverted back to somewhat of their professional life. I mean, they were fishers of men, or sorry, they were fishermen before they were fishers of men. So this is kind of them going back to what they did before. They were, you know, trying to um, just provide for themselves. And so this is their professional life. And so I thought, you know, this first part um, of the story where it says, you know, they weren't having any success until Jesus arrived. So in our professional lives, and I mean, all aspects of our lives, I just think it's interesting that whether we acknowledge it or not, we cannot have success without Jesus. I mean, he is the one that allows it. He's the one that provides it and brings it to life. Um, and I think we overestimate that in our, we think of our own success and we think of what we're capable of our own. And so again, speaking to myself, I overestimate myself and what I am able to achieve without the help of Jesus. I know in the story, it's a very like dramatic um, way in a very, you know, blunt. Jesus was physically not there. They were failing. Jesus showed up physically and they were succeeding. Now, you know, even in our, our own lives, Jesus is not normally there physically with us. Not to the best of my understanding, but he's still there with us at all times. So when we do find success, it is only because of Jesus bringing that and blessing our lives with that. So again, just this idea of in our professional and all aspects of our life, we cannot find success without Jesus. It is only he who allows it. Another part of the story I thought was so interesting was they did not recognize him when he first arrived. And I just thought, how how could that possibly be? You know, Jesus, the son of God, this man that they had, the disciples had spent so much time with and had seen die and then seen resurrected. How could you possibly ever forget or not be able to recognize him from, from anywhere? And so, you know, I know there's some thoughts they were fishing at night and this was just as day was beginning to break. So maybe they were too far out. Maybe, you know, the, the light was too dim or there was maybe fog out on the sea or something to that extent. But I just think, man, how could you, even that voice, even Jesus called out to them and told them to cast their nets on the other side. And it's just this idea like, how would you not be able to recognize that? So again, I overestimate myself because I think in my own life, how often does God call out to me or God instruct me to do something? And I, I don't recognize it as his calling or his voice and I always think, oh, if, you know, if God told me to do something, I would know it and I would do it. But often I miss it. I just, I'm busy. I'm consumed by other things and I, I don't hear it. I don't recognize his voice when he calls to me. And, you know, again, how we, in the ways we underestimate Jesus, man, he just, even in their profession, these fish, God has provided for them. He just continuously comes back to them and he provides for them. And, and now they say, they went on to say, they dare not ask who he was, for they knew this was the Lord. This idea that time and time again, if we ever forget who he is, he will come to us and he will remind us. And he will, and then we will recognize and we will say, oh, I know who that is. That is the Lord. So time and time again, if I forget, time and time again, he will come and he will remind me. The last part of part one that I thought was um, this idea that not so much that we are, we've overestimated ourselves, but this one last point where we underestimate God is how he is, 
he called them into the shore. They came in to greet him and to, to talk to him and to see him. And he made them breakfast. Jesus just died and sacrificed himself for their, you know, for their spiritual, their spiritual needs. And now here he is providing for their physical needs. He's like, oh guys, I know I already gave my life for you, but allow me to cook and serve you in another way. And just this idea of how, how humble Jesus was, even in this moment and how, um, I guess maybe if I overestimate it's anything, it's my humility and I can never consider myself humble enough. I mean, again, Jesus gave his life and now continues to serve even beyond that. Even when he's given everything he has, he still continues to give. So for part one, yeah, those are the ideas of which ways I think that I tend to overestimate myself and underestimate Jesus. And I want to, I want to add a quick note, just this idea of me overestimating myself. I don't say that in the sense of I need to tear myself down. Like, oh, Joel, you're getting too high and mighty. You got to knock it down a ways. Like, that's not, not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to say I'm worthless or anything like that, but it's just this idea of, okay, sometimes maybe I become, I become too proud and back to that idea of just humbling myself that I do this to humble myself before God so that he can then build and lift me up. So that when I say I overestimate myself, I'm, it's not in a negative sense. I don't, I, I rejoice in this idea that God constantly calls me to be humble and to serve in whatever way that may be. So my reflection point for this was in what ways um, do we overestimate ourselves and underestimate Jesus in like our professional life? So I think of me personally, um, you know, I was thinking just recently, I've, I had a student teacher in my, in my class where I teach and um, she's been teaching for me for the last couple months. And just recently she's, she left. So I had to take over the teaching of my room. And just this past week was the first week where I really had to teach and as I began to take back over the classroom, you know, I felt I needed to kind of reestablish myself as, you know, running the show. And so my kids were kind of, anytime there's a transition, they get a little unruly. So they were kind of struggling behavior wise. And I'll just be honest, I, this is where I overestimated myself. And I thought, okay, it's time to be tough. It's time to, you know, discipline however I might need to. And unfortunately, I feel I've overreacted. I over, I overestimated the degree to which I needed to be tough. And at times I looking back, I, I think I was honestly just mean to some of the kids and, and I regret that. And it's something I've had to work on and apologize to some of the students. And I try and show them kindness and graces as Jesus would. But in this moment, just my professional life, I, I overestimate myself, myself and what was necessary of me. And I think of, you know, Jesus and the ways I underestimate him, same in my classroom, just constantly teaching can be a frustrating profession. There are a lot of situations and stuff that I don't always know how to handle or just become frustrating. And I underestimate how much I can turn to Jesus for those things. I mean, in, in certain parts of my life, I automatically just turn to Jesus. I just know as soon as something comes up, I pray to Jesus. For whatever reason, my professional life hasn't quite gotten there yet to where sometimes I do pray, but then there are moments where I just sit with it by myself and I just, I wrestle with it in my own frustration when I think, man, why didn't I take that to Jesus? And I think it's just because I've underestimated that he's present there at all times. He's, he's in the classroom with me. He's, his presence is there and that's my underestimation of him. So on to part two. So the part two, you know, I titled the spiritual as in the spiritual life. And so I'll read this next part of John 21 verses 15 through 19. And again, this one was titled Jesus and Peter. So it says, 
When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you have love for me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? To him, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk before you walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. This is said to show by what kind of death he will glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. So here in this part of the story, Jesus and Peter are having just this one-on-one conversation. The other disciples are around for parts of it, but it's just this moment between Jesus and Peter. And again, I think it's speaking into Peter's spiritual life, which makes me reflect on my own. And so my this first idea of overestimation, I mean, the main thing from this is that Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Jesus and Peter tells him, yes, Lord. Yes, I love you. Again, yes, Lord. Yes, I love you. And he just repeats himself three times. And so it's just this interesting thing in it. Even at the beginning of this um, verse 15, Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? And I always thought he meant, do you love me more than these other disciples who are around me? And what Jesus is actually referencing is um, previously Peter had made this proclamation that Jesus, I love you more than any of the other disciples. So Jesus is asking him, do you love me more than these other disciples? And do you love me more than they love me? It was a little bit of a clarification that I had to kind of process and think through and then it makes more sense. And this whole, this whole piece of scripture, this idea of Peter proclaiming his love three times actually ties back to the idea of Peter, um, denying Jesus three times, you know, saying, no, I do not know. I do not know that man and just denying him. And, um, Jesus is giving him this moment and that's something I'll talk about in a second. So, Again, Peter has to, the way in which he's overestimated, Peter has to proclaim his love for Jesus three whole times. I say whole times because it's meant to sound traumatic because how often, again, do I overestimate myself? And I say, yes, Jesus, of course I love you. You know that I love you. And I overestimate the love I have for Jesus. Honestly, I mean, there's there's no amount of love that would be too much. Like I can never give enough of myself over to Jesus. And this is an idea of, I have to earn Jesus's love. It's he loves me freely and, you know, unconditionally. And, but it's just myself. I say, I love him, but yet do I love him as much as I, I claim to. And I think, I think I honestly just overestimate myself and how much love I think I have for Jesus. And then the way which Jesus is underestimated. And this is this idea that, you know, Jesus isn't just asking Peter, tell me you love me. Say it again, say it again. What he's doing here is he's providing um, Peter with this moment of redemption, redemption for denying him three times. And this isn't for Jesus. He's not doing this because he's like, well, you deny me three times. Tell me you love me three times and then we'll call it even. That's not, that's not what he's doing. This is for Peter's sake. It's not until that third time when I think Peter really realizes, oh, you've asked me three times because I've denied you three times. 
This is for Peter's redemption. Again, Jesus, he does. He, like Just like Peter says, you know, Lord, that I love you. Yes, Jesus knows how much Peter loves him. This is, again, this is not for Jesus' benefit, but for Peter's. And so just this underestimation of Jesus, even in this story, that he's not doing this for his own gain. He's doing this for the gain of someone else. And then there was this idea that Peter said he was grieved to proclaim his love on that third time. And I think that third time is when he realized, oh, this is because of when I denied you three times. And he's making that connection here. And so I think there's this overestimation that, man, sometimes we feel shameful or we feel um, just regret in our in our actions. and Or maybe we even feel anger in some sense. But this idea that Jesus isn't doing this in a scornful way. He's not doing this to like teach Peter a lesson. He's doing this with just absolute grace. And he's just, he's not trying to shame Peter. He's not trying to condemn him. He's just leading him and saying, okay, I do know how much you love me. Now lead my sheep, take care of my flock, feed my lambs. He's just, he's leading him to this moment. It's not, again, it's not to condemn Peter, but to bless him. And so those ideas I just think are just, so incredible that Jesus, again, he just, he time and time again goes above and beyond anything we would expect of him. And so my reflection for this was this idea of within our spiritual lives, how do we overestimate ourselves and underestimate Jesus? So, you know, again, just reflecting on myself, I think oftentimes, you know, I, I like to teach a lot. So I, I teach scripture and I teach things to other people, but I think I overestimate that I think Oh, okay, I've I've done enough. You know, I've I've been teaching a lot lately, so I can probably dial it back on my prayer time or my devotional time or things like that. And it's just not the way it is. And again, this idea that we don't do all those things so that way we can earn God's love and and salvation and His blessings. We do those things because it just brings us closer to Him. You know, just because I'm teaching a lot doesn't mean I shouldn't be spending time in the Word and I shouldn't be spending time in prayer. Those are things I need to value and seek after and, and treasure. I mean, they're again, they're not meant to be chores. They're meant to be blessings. And so I think that's the way in which I overestimate myself and just kind of how the time I spend in my spiritual life. And for Jesus, you know, just like for um, Peter here, he he just found another way to bless him. And I know in my life, whether I realize it or not, whether I can see it or understand it, Jesus is finding ways to, to bless me and to lead me spiritually and really in all all aspects of life. But I think we constantly underestimate that. Maybe we think something is, we're doing something for God, but in all actuality, he's constantly just doing things for us. And so I think that's the way we tend to underestimate him. And so this leads me to part three, the final part of this passage. And so this is John 21 still, of course, 20 through 25. And I've named this the personal slash social aspects of our life because as you read it, you'll see there's some just personal dynamics and even just, you know, social amongst the disciples and things. So here, as I read this, this one is named Jesus and the Beloved Apostle. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them and one who and the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread 
abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and whom has written these things. And we know that this testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So there's the last section of this scripture. And so again, Jesus is still talking about Peter, but if you're not aware when it says the beloved apostle is talking about John. So John is kind of witnessing a story or a conversation between Peter and Jesus about John himself. And so after Peter has just, you know, proclaimed his love three times, he sees John and he asks Jesus, what about this man? You've called me to lead, of course, but what are you going to do with this man? And uh, I, I find it quite humorous that Jesus basically pulled the, in a way, mind your own business card. Because um, he goes on to say, if it is my will, he will remain until I return. He will not die until I return. Um, but what is it to you? That last part, what is it to you? You know, I mean, that's just not, Jesus, again, is just kind of saying, my will is my will. It's for me to know. John will find out what my plans for are for him, but Peter, what does that have to do with you? And so I think, again, this idea of overestimating myself, I think so often I feel, all right, God, if this is your plan for me or for whatever's going on, then you need to tell me. I think I feel entitled. I overestimate what I'm entitled to as far as God's plan. And well, if I'm going to be part of it, then I got to know, or if this is something that's going on, I think I should know. And Jesus just pulls that if it's my will, what is it to you? And again, I can't, I don't have the comprehension. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I could never understand the depths of God and Jesus's plans. So this idea of that, you just have to lean in and just trust it and say, Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. That's cool. You'll tell me what you'll tell me when you want to and how you want to. And it's not my purpose to be peeking in and trying to see what everybody else's life is and what plans you have for them. That's not my place. And so, you know, the way we underestimate Jesus is just that idea. We underestimate his plan and his will. Like, I think we think that unless we know it, we can't trust it. And that's not true. I mean, even if we don't understand it or we don't know it, God just still calls us to rely on him and to just surrender to him. And so the other part of this last section of scripture that I thought was kind of funny was this idea of basically the disciples started to gossip a little bit. Um, I, you know, in my profession, I see a lot of people gossip and I, maybe all professions are like that, but it's something that, you know, I pride myself on not participating in anytime I, there's gossip in the workplace. I try to, you know, stay away from it, just get out of that room or go whatever I got to do. But if I'm being really honest with myself, I do gossip at times. Not, not constantly, but I, sometimes you just can't help yourself. You know, I I'll find some information, I hear some cool news and I just think, oh man, I gotta, I gotta see somebody else's reaction and see what they think and say of this. And so when I look at these disciples, I thought, oh man, did you hear that? John's not going to die until Jesus returns. That's the, that's the gossip they were spreading. And it wasn't accurate. Again, Jesus never said that. He said, if I will it, he will remain. That's all he said. If I will it, that does not mean he does will it. 
just saying whatever he chooses will be. And so these guys were just, again, spreading this this go- or gossip and getting a word out that wasn't true. And I think I know I've been guilty of that and I overestimate myself and not like to think I'm above gossip, but I'm not. I fall into it same as anybody else. But um, and again, the way we underestimate Jesus is this idea that only he could know. We're not, we don't have the right to know. We don't need to know um, whatever plans Jesus had for John in this moment. That was for him and John to know and nobody else. And so that last part, you know, I think of our personal lives and in what ways, my last reflection, what ways do we, do I overestimate myself and underestimate Jesus and the ways in which, you know, I overestimate myself. Kind of as I just mentioned, you know, sometimes I think, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a really good friend. I'm a good person. I, my personal life, my social life, I treat others with respect and things like that. But I mean, I'm human. I'm flawed. I, I don't always treat people the best way that I, I should or the way that Jesus, by the example that Jesus has set, sometimes I give in to judgment or condemnation or just certain things that I should not be doing to other people. And in, in what ways do we underestimate Jesus? I mean, kind of same as I've mentioned before, just this idea that Jesus has a plan for each of our personal lives, our social lives, just all these different parts. And it's not for me to try and maneuver and manipulate situations to try and gain that understanding. I mean, just trust in God. I don't have to know it. I just have to trust it. And so, you know, as I close out this teaching here, I want to reread John 21, uh, 25. This last verse, I think, is just pretty um, incredible and just kind of mind-boggling when you really think about it. So, verse 25 says, Now, these are, sorry, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So, John, I just feel like he's telling us in this moment, and I mean, maybe you think this is a dramatic statement, but I fully believe it's very sincere and very real and authentic. This idea that, I mean, they've recorded all these different pieces of Jesus' life, but we've they've still missed so much. And if they really recorded everything that Jesus did and all that he had accomplished, it would there would be too much. He says here that there, the world could not contain the books that would be written. So just this idea that we think about everything that Jesus has done for us and we think, man, he just gives again beyond what anything we could expect. But there's this idea that he's still done more. So I, I say this last little bit, not to be cute, but we honestly, we underestimate how much we underestimate Jesus. However much we can acknowledge that he's done for us. He's done infinitely more and it just continues and it, it's endless and it just goes and goes and goes. And so just in all things we do in our professional life, in our spiritual life, in our personal social life, just all glory be to God for it is he who brings these things to be or who blesses and just controls these things. And again, we just constantly underestimate it, but all glory be to him. And so um, I'll just close this out in prayer here. But again, just this idea that we don't, I don't say we overestimate ourselves in a negative sense. I just say in a humbling sense that, God, I, I pray that I could be the servant that you have been in this, just this one section of scripture. We see these examples of your servitude. And so I will close this out in prayer here. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Um, I thank you for 
given me this word to share to people. At first, I, I struggled. I didn't, I didn't know what to say or what you were wanting me to speak. And yeah, I just prayed and I, I tried to trust in you and you did give me, give me a word to share to others. And so I just thank you for providing this word for me. And God, I just pray that again, that you would just humble myself and anyone else that has that calling, Lord, that you would just humble me to not tear myself down, but Lord, just to see my worth that is in you. I mean, you are what gives me worth, Lord. And, um, I just pray that I would constantly be seeking after you so as not to underestimate you, Lord. Again, I know, I, I think that I know how much you've done for me, but in all honesty, I can never fully understand the things you've done behind the scenes, just the impacts that you've had in my life that I'll never know, Lord, and I mean, in all of our lives, that you bless us in ways that we would just we will never know, Lord. And so I just pray that as we continue throughout our lives, that you would, we would just seek out and, and recognize those ways that you you are at work in us and in our lives and that we not underestimate your impact or your capability or all the different things that you do for us Lord just pray for for blessings pray for protection for all the people out there Lord right now and uh, just thank you for all that you do for us in your name we pray amen